How's it going, Jets fans? My name is Alex, and my co-host here, Ryan Moran. Today, we want to discuss Jesse Bates from the Cincinnati Bengals. There's been some whispers, some rumors that the Jets could be intrigued by Bates, who is currently on the franchise tag but is refusing to play on it. So I guess there's a possibility that he is traded by the Bengals if he does not want to play, of course. They're trying not to extend him too early. They want to see what he can do on the franchise tag. They want to see if he can put together another quality season before offering him that big money. Um, the Jets have kind of gotten bit in the butt by those big contracts in the past, you know, like Jamal Adams and they traded Jamal Adams and ended up being a great move for them um, because Jamal ended up kind of sucking with the Seahawks. But Jesse Bates is an interesting player. He is fantastic, really good free safety. He's a hard hitter. He's a, a ball hawk. He can really do it all. And you put him in a defense uh, that is just adding DJ Reed and um, Sauce Gardner and Jordan Whitehead. You got some really good, you have Jason Pinnock. A lot of good players back there. And yeah, Jesse Bates in the mix, you have an overhauled secondary. Plus, you got Carl Lawson coming back and you drafted Jermaine Johnson and extended John Flanken Myers. You're looking at a pretty damn good defense. If the offense can hold their weight, the Jets could be a pretty solid team. Before we dive into Jesse Bates, what a trade may look like and why it's realistic or unrealistic. Ryan, how do you do today, my friend? I'm doing great, Alex. Obviously, this report came from Jeremy Fowler of ESPN yesterday. And it was a bit of a surprise, I think, to Jet fans. The Jets were very active this offseason, obviously coming off a really big draft and they invested a ton into the secondary this off season, a group that obviously had to be revamped. It struggled for some time and obviously did a great job. Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed now as your two outside corners, Michael Carter, the second in the slot, you get Jordan Whitehead to be your strong safety. And really the last missing piece is that true free safety, the guy with some range, some speed, who can cover ground, a playmaker, a guy with proven ball production. And I think Bates is exactly that. And when this report came out yesterday, I think Bates was probably the player most Jets fans had in mind initially because you obviously know he didn't play at his best last year. The Bengals didn't extend him. But obviously on that Super Bowl run, everyone saw like just how great he could be, the playmaking ability he's got. And, you know, obviously they spent their first two draft picks on Dax Hill and Cantella Britt, two DBs. So it's led people to speculate, you know, could Bates really be on his way out and they didn't extend him. They obviously were pretty active in free agency this offseason. And you got Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, some of these guys coming up that you got to extend. So it's led, obviously, a lot of people out there to believe that Bates is probably close to being done with the Bengals. And, you know, could the Jets really make a big splash here? And, you know, it's worth conversating over just because of the fact they need that true pre safety. And that's exactly what he is. And he's only 25 years old. So this young defensive backfield that the Jets built up the last two offseasons here now, you know, he would definitely add to that. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, pairing him with Jordan Whitehead would be awesome, right? Looking at Jesse Bates, who can align in multiple spots. Um, you know, I'll take a look at his snap count for you guys, just so you can get an idea of where he aligns with Cincinnati. So last season, he spent 191 total snaps in the box, 138 at the slot corner spot, 852 at free safety. Then you got Jordan Whitehead, who can move around pretty significantly too. Um, former Wake Forest guy in Bates. But, you know, six foot one, 200 pounds, 4'5 speed, about to be 26 years old. Um, you, looking at what Joe Douglas has done in the past, you don't get the sense that they're going to invest big in a safety, right? They didn't invest in Marcus May. They didn't invest in Jamal Adams. In fact, they tried to, you know, they traded Jamal Adams and Marcus May. Of course, they were like on the fence about, it doesn't seem like they're highly valuing the free safety position, but I'll throw this into the mix. Um, you know, Jordan Whitehead's contract is really just a one-year deal. After this year, they can cut him and save the majority of his contract. I think he's projected to earn like 10 mil um, against the cap in uh, 2023, but they could save about 7, 8 mil if they cut him after this upcoming season. So they're really playing a, a conservative game at free safety, which is really interesting to me because looking at how the NFL has turned into a predominant passing league, especially you guys got like 
Um, you know, Josh Allen, you have Tua, you have deep downfield threats like Jalen Waddle, you have Tyree Kill in the division now. Even Jacoby Myers is pretty solid for New England. Um, and of course, you got Stefan Diggs, Gabriel Davis, who just absolutely crushed her in the postseason and uh, during the regular season this past year. Um, but, you know, having that free safety, a good one, makes a big difference, right? Jordan, Jordan Whitehead's not bad, but he's not like an above average. I say he's probably about slightly above average, if probably hovering at around average. Um, there's a lot left to be desired. He could get to the above average mark, but I wouldn't I wouldn't coin him as like this unbelievable player just yet. Otherwise, Tampa probably would have tried to keep him. Um, but I do find it interesting how the Jets don't really like to invest too much at the free safety position. And Bates, you know, is another testament to that because I don't think this is realistic at all. Um, of course, it's fun to talk about because, you know, training camp is coming up and it's, you know, kind of a dead season. But Bates last year, looking at his stats, um, I'll tell you what, he had, uh, let's see here, he had... Man, I mean, he is a dominant player. 88 tackles. Uh, uh, let's see here. One interception, so down a lot from 2020. We had three. Um, he had three tackles for a loss, a quarterback hit, four passes defended, whereas he had 15 in 2020 at the free safety role. Um, he had 109 tackles in 2000. 2020 was really his elite season, right? That was the year that he really showed he was a great uh, free safety last year. Uh, took a little bit of a step back, but he's played over 1,000 snaps in each of his four first seasons um, as a second-round pick. So, I guess my question to you, Ryan, is if the Jets were going to take a shot and see if they could land him, what do you think it would take to actually uh, trade for him in the first place? you think it would be like a second-round pick? Or are you looking about maybe packaging a player and and some draft capital? I don't think a first-round pick is entirely uh, necessary. I think, in fact, if they were asking for a first-round pick, I'd tell them to screw off. Uh, because a year on the franchise tag, you basically have to give up a first pick just to get him, and then you have to extend him at 15 to 18 mil a year, and you're locking your money down for the future. You know, what do you think it would take to actually get him in the first place? For sure. From a value standpoint, I don't really think it adds up, and it doesn't really scream a Joe Douglas type of move when you look at what he's really done over his three fall-off seasons. I think best-case scenario for the Jets, you probably give up a second-round pick, and after the season, you, you either slap the tag on him again or you get an extension done. But ultimately, I don't think that the Bengals would settle on a second-round pick. Like you said, they would probably demand a first from teams. They are still in the Super Bowl window. And, look, he's going to be motivated. Whether he wants to play on the tag or not, you know, he's locked in with it for this season. And, you know, last regular season, like you said, he was not the same player as he was his first three years. Obviously, the playoff run, you know, certainly people have that in their mind and know what he can be as a player. But – He's got to really do that throughout the regular season. And if so, I mean, he he's definitely worth, you know, a ton really in terms of the big contract that he's going to command. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the contract he's going to command is just too much for the Jets right now. If you're looking at their salary space, I think we have about, what is it? Next year, they're under 15 at the moment. So. Right, so they have 8.9 million right now. Next year, they're at 10 million. They could release CJ Mosley and say 15.5 mil. Um, they could save 15 mil from Carl Lawson. If they cut him, they could save 10.5 mil from Corey Davis um, and 11.2 mil from John Franklin Myers next year, if they were to go that route. So there are guys that they could cut and roll that money over, but I don't think, I think CJ Mosley is like a great player. I don't, I, I would like to see what he can do this season before making that decision, but he's like the leader of a defense when he is healthy and he's a, a monster run defender. He's a monster coverage linebacker. He's the guy you want playing Mike and the jets do have a liability to LB too. So like, who do you solve that position with? And they go, unless they go for a linebacker in the first round who they think it can make an immediate impact. Carl Lawson coming back from the injury. If he has a great season, I don't think the Jets are going to get rid of him. $15 million uh, cap hit for Carl Lawson if he's playing at elite level is a 
absolute bargain for a great defensive edge rusher. So you do not want to be moving on from a guy if he's that good. Corey Davis, I see, is the more realistic guy. If we're talking about cap savings, um, I think that Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore are going to end up becoming the wide receiver one and two. And Corey Davis is going to fall to that wide receiver three spot. And he's probably going to be a little bit annoyed and disgruntled, disgruntled or whatever. And I think they're going to release him and they can go out and get a possession receiver pretty easily on the waiver wire, or rather just from the free agency pool. There probably will be a couple of decent possession guys that they can go in there and just ha- say, hey, man, like this is this is what your job is. You know, you're going to compliment uh, more in, in Wilson and that'll be that. So you know, I think Corey Davis probably offers probably the next best option in terms of cutting bait and saving some cash. But again, it's still not even enough because you do need to roll into the season with a couple mil. So I don't necessarily see where um, Jesse Bates fits into the salary cap situation. I think that the the amount of assets it's gonna you're gonna have to give up to acquire him in the first place is a little bit egregious. Um, so you know, I ask you this though. How awesome would it be to see DJ Reed, Sauce Gardner, and Jesse Bates on the same defense with Carl Lawson coming back? And like I mentioned, all these other players and CJ Mosley. I mean, just the names alone, you're on paper, you're looking at a defense that could be like top 10 this year if you get if you add a Jesse Bates to it. So that is the enticing part. Oh, for sure. I mean, look, the Jets to me right now have three starting needs, and they're all on defense, you know, stopping the run at defensive tackle, linebacker, and then really a free safety is the only position in the defensive backfield you're looking at. You know, we've obviously talked about LaMarcus Joyner, Jason Pinnock, Ashton Davis, a couple of these guys in the competition. I mean, Bates is a clear upgrade over that. And just the ball production, I mean, that's something the Jets have really struggled with, especially last year, you know, picking the ball off. His 15 passes defended in 2020 is just something ridiculous. And if he can get back to that level and he's still only 25, I mean, just that that is such an exciting thought for this defense that's really got to improve. I mean, they were – bottom five last year and it's going to take a lot to really improve. So it's definitely an exciting thought, but I will say it does not really add up with what Joe Douglas's philosophies are as a team builder. And from a value standpoint, that's the name of the game, you know, when you're building a team in the NFL. And I don't think that giving up a premium draft pick, potentially a player and then paying someone like Bates at this point in time to me, isn't necessarily worth it. I agree. I think we just roll with uh, what Joe Douglas has planned and, and kind of hope this uh, team comes together. And there's a lot of youth on the squad, developmental guys, and they can obviously contribute in a big way without Jesse Bates. But guys, I'd love to hear your perspectives below on the YouTube comments and the channel about Jesse Bates. Would you like to give up a haul for him? Would you like to give up draft capital or just roll with what we got now and hopefully build and you know kind of construct this great team? I mean, for all we know, he could end up becoming a free agent after this year and the Jets could go and sign him and not have to give up any draft capital. And the Jets are still in the middle of a rebuild. Right? They need this second season to get to the place where they're a playoff contending team. So I say you wait it out, um, see if Jesse Bates hits free agency, and maybe you just go and sign him without giving up any draft capital, and then you ride into the sunset and hopefully make a postseason appearance in 2023. So I am excited to see what happens in the future there. But guys, would love to hear your perspectives below. Make sure to like and subscribe as always, and we'll catch you guys on the next Fireside Jets episode.